Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 446 being recorded on April 19th, 2017. I'm Ryan Trout. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Mamatana. <sighs> the show has started. We're ready to go. Um, well, We're only 22 minutes late. That's is it late, late at that point or uh, it's just two minutes late no it's eight minutes just early. two minutes late oh okay okay yeah. uh so with that in mind uh we're gonna go ahead and actually let me zoom in a little bit here there we go we're going to go through our stuff today first up we stream the show live at pcpro.com slash live uh and if you you know I, I never say this at the beginning anymore but if you wanted to like if you're listening to the show and you're like, man, I really wish I knew what they were talking about at time period X, because I listen to some podcasts that don't reiterate what they're talking about during a 25-minute discussion, and that really annoys me. But we have show notes at pcpro.com slash podcast, so you can find all that there. However, if you want to watch the live stream, you need a little gentle reminder. You can sign up for our mailing list over here at pcpro.com slash subscribe. You get this page here. Oop, let me, let me do that. Uh, this page here asks for your name and your email address. And uh, that's it. Then I send you an email anywhere from an hour and a half to 12 minutes before or 12 minutes after the podcast recording has begun. But either way, you're notified of what we're doing. Stop staring at the cake, Alan. <laughs> I know that's what you're doing. That was. Uh, <laughs> that's not weird at all. Uh, we also have our Patreon campaign currently running. We are only eight participants. You can't tell yet. Hold on. We are only eight participants away from 400 patrons. 400. Uh, which would be amazing. So if you go to patreon.com slash PCPer, uh, this is your way to become a monthly kind of recurring contributor to the site. It could be a dollar. It could be $3. It could be $10. It could be $50. Uh, whatever you think we're worth. I would round up, though, just because I know us. Uh, and uh, this allows you to contribute monthly if you do something like ad blocking. This is a, a recent topic for me um, for a couple of different reasons as we look at how much percentage of our site is run by is hit up by ad blockers. And the answer is about 40% of our traffic has ad blockers running on it. So that's that kind of sucks. not a small number. Uh, also, I was learning about the Brave browser today that automatically does blocking and all that kind of crap. So, you know, I'm thinking more about alternative monetization methods. This is your way to contribute if you do that. As always, if you become a new patron or increase your patron contribution, um, you know, like a dollar or more during the show, I will read your name off, off of my phone here uh, when I get said email. So um, we'll do that. And we would thank you very much. For that, Otherwise, uh, you get the gimp. Yes. Uh, we don't have it in the rundown here, but there's a very important event occurring next week. Josh, do you know what this event is? Um, well, Passover was last week, right? It was, yes. Yes. Um, oh, it's my monthly shower. Oh, good. That's good timing because next yeah, week I will see you and I would like for you to have showered. <laughs> yes. At least once. So Josh and I are going to drink at a bar in London. All the way there just for drinks, huh? <laughs> All the way there just for drinks. Uh, and we would like to invite you to come drink with us at said event. Uh, we are going to be there uh there being the momentous bar inside the Cumberland Hotel, which is uh, conveniently located. Isn't that owned, owned by Benedict Cumberland? <laughs> I think or is so. that somebody else? He'll probably be there. He'll probably bring his Doctor Strange costume. I sure. 
uh, at the Cumberland Hotel located at Great Cumberland Place, London. Uh, and then, you know, six digits, numbers, letters, et cetera. Uh, April 27th, that's Thursday, April 27th at 7.30 p.m., you know, London time. Uh, we're going to be sitting probably in one of these cozy booths, uh, snuggling up on the same side of the booth, of course. And so yeah. we would really like you guys to come stop by, say hello, hang out. We're going to have uh, some people from Arm there. They're sponsoring the event. Uh, they're bringing us out there. Uh, they're going to get us some food and some drinks and whatnot, and they're going to have a couple of Chromebooks there for you to play around with. But really, you're just there to meet the celebrity that is Josh and his um, entourage and, and his, I was going to say, like, uh, zookeeper with the leash, Ryan. Oh, I see. Right. Wow. Right. I would say lion tamer, but if you've ever <laughs> met me, you know that lion is the furthest thing from me. He will be wearing a collar, though, I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be one of those electric collars. No, Josh, no. So really, it's, well, otherwise really he's awesome. going to run around uh, into the park and stand at Speaker's Corner and stand on a soapbox and start screaming. Exactly. Where is he going to find right a soapbox? <laughs> uh, so again, it's April 27th. It's in London. Here's a map in case you need a visualization of our location. We're pretty close to like just south of us, I believe, is um, one of the palaces. I don't know if it was Kensington Palace or... Well, south is Buckingham, Buckingham and Palace. west yes. that yeah. is Kensington. And so I think they really wanted to get us a spot as close as possible to the palace in case the queen wanted to visit, uh, you know, have a, have a drink. Queen's going to visit Josh, huh? Well. I do yeah. I do have some, some royal blood. The queen does in the like banishings in person. Oh, yeah. I see. I no, see. no, she no, no. I'm, I'm like 150th in line of succession for uh, the royalty of Norway. Yeah. The, the queen's going to knight you, except the, the sword is going to be at a 90-degree angle. <laughs> I mean, if you head to Norway, you could I think they just wanted the Yanks to be off. comfortable because there's a McDicks just around the corner. Oh. Uh, it's also worth noting that even if you can't attend the event in London, which, by the way, I really encourage people to do. I think it'll be a lot of fun. We'll be there from, like, 7.30 until whenever we stop drinking. <laughs> um, which, our flight's not till like, 1 p.m. the next day, 12 p.m. Uh, the next yours, day. maybe. When's yours? Like at 7 or 8. In the morning? Yeah, that, that sucks for you. Son, you got to plan that it better. It does. Man, hey, you're well, just hey. going to stay up all night. That's a good plan. I'll just <laughs> you gotta, sleep you gotta make all night. These flight suggestions. In any event, we've got uh, several people on Twitter and in the comments have talked about coming from you know a couple of hours away by train. So it's really awesome. The more people we can get there, the better. Uh, I want at least a handful of people to show up so that I know that somebody actually listens to us out there and reads the website. But regardless, uh, even if you can't attend the event in London, you still can go to the to the post here uh, titled. PC per meetup in London and enter to win one of the two Chromebooks that we have. We have the uh, Acer Chromebook R13 and the Samsung Chromebook Plus powered by the OP1 processor. So you can still enter to win those even if you're not going to be at the meetup, but we'll have them at the meetup to show off. So there's the summary. PC Perspective London meetup sponsored by ARM, 7.30 p.m. to approximately midnight on April 27th, Momentous Bar at the Cumberland Hotel. Uh, apparently we're in... Marleybone. That sounds like a place in London, like a neighborhood in London. That's reasonable. So big thanks to Arm for that. Big thanks for Josh uh, for coming and drinking beer. We really appreciate the sacrifices you make for us as a community. Yeah, because I've I've never wanted to visit England at all no, in my life. Never. never. And sample local brews. Never. And you'll never get the chance again. Get the real ales. <laughs> we'll see how this turns out, Josh. <laughs> uh, well. 
All right, let's talk about some crap other than uh, uh, the beer we're going to drink next week. So, um, <laughs> Ken posted a story. No. On, no? No. Oh, incorrect. Ken didn't post Ghost this. Ghost Somebody wrote it as if they were Ken. This is the OBT. You know me. Are you? Damn it. <laughs> I was even I was even drinking a sip of beer at the time and I The open I bench table. This is otherwise known as the Streetcom BC1. So the relationship here is what? So the open bench table was an open source project on Kickstarter? No. No. Something like that, wasn't it? I don't think it was crowdfunded. Oh no. Okay. I I think they might have done pre-orders, but I think it was a collaboration from like HW Bot and a couple other communities okay. kind of got together and decided to build the ultimate bench table design. So this is what you get when you order one of these. You get this single piece of aluminum that has actually been milled into many pieces of aluminum. Uh, well, I guess just three. Yeah. Three pieces of aluminum. Uh, and then uh, you get all the accessories with the two. It's actually, it's very, how thin, how thick is it? Maybe a half an inch, three quarters of an inch thick? I want to say it's like six millimeters. I'm sorry, you're going to have to translate that. I'm not in London I don't yet. know how to translate it. More than That's why I said inch. six millimeters. But less than a half? Less than a half. Inch. <laughs> so it's, it's bigger than eighths. bread. Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, so you get this, and it, and it's, it is, it it's is a test thick. bed that builds out to looking like this in the icon, right? Now it's a little bit harder to see in that particular picture. But when you get it, it's really neat. Everything is very uh, cleanly flat organized. Packed. Yeah, flat, flat, flat pack <laughs> it's difficult to do uh these two um sections here are the legs that, that come out and and all the screws you need all the attachments you need are all built into like if you want to break it back down it's um, a completely toolless design yeah you don't need a screwdriver to put this thing together yep uh so you know here you take one of the legs out and you've got the the motherboard standoffs on there uh, we go through the setup of here's how you mount the power supply Do the legs like stay Flat on their own, <clears throat> like if everything was flat and you just picked it up by the edge with the legs stay yeah. on the table, or wait, no, like no, the no, legs, no. Are, the legs attached. are attached. Okay, so they're attached with with yes within so the see, plane of it when it's stored. You see here these screw holes yes. on top of it. You there's a screw that goes through the top of uh, the. Test. He's talking about when it's flat. Yeah, when it's but, flat. But yes, when it's flat, it's thumb screwed in there. It so all stays in one piece. Yes, it's all one piece. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could pick it up by. I mean, that's a handle. Yeah. Up top here for you to pick it up and carry it like a briefcase for it's handy for like, uh, like trade shows or like if we need to yeah. have a system set up somewhere. Trade shows, system set up, uh, you know, m the the frequent mobile overclocker. I'm going to my land party. I'm going to be I'm honest gonna with you. My, I understand. Uh, I'm going to disassemble my computer first. So this shows the power supply more. attached with the standoffs. These standoffs are really cool. Um, I've wanted these standoffs for years. They, yeah, they, yeah. they're, they're. They're, they don't require screws. They have both options, right? They have ones that require screw downs. Yeah, they, they ship traditional But these are just like push, what would you call them? Like push downs? Yeah, they're like push pins. They're like push pins. So when you push the motherboard through it, they kind of like snap Clicks. in yeah. place. Oh, they hold on a little but bit? But they're not plastic. They hold on a little bit. Okay. Well, they hold on enough that you could flip it upside down with, you know, no video card yeah, attached. that thing's not coming off. And the motherboard's not going to fall hmm. off. But when you do want to remove it, you just kind of just kind of tuck up, put your fingers underneath yeah. the board kinda and like push up. up. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you got gravity helping you most of the way, so... Correct. You know, yeah. Correct. You can see how the uh, SSD or hard drives attach right here. Um, you know, they're perpendicular to the body or to the flat hang. plane of it. They, they hang and you get screws in from the yeah. bottom. That's kind of my least favorite part of this design. I don't know where else they would, like, where else they would have put the drives, but yeah. 
you're in theory able to put a three and a half inch drive there and that just seems like kind of a bad idea they're actually rated to work sideways yeah it's just to me it doesn't feel right what drives are what hard drives are not rated for is any kind of thing in between yeah it's got to be flat it's got to be on its side okay 90 degree angles yeah to me when i look at it and when i use it is more of there's a lot of like if you're plugging in a power supply cable like into the power supply uh-huh. underneath here and you maybe pull your hand out quickly the wrong way like you could put a lot of force because of it's essentially a fulcrum you can put the, a lot of on force the on, power the, on the on well, the well no I'm yeah. talking about like where the screw meets the power or oh. the screw and meets even the connectors the, yeah that too yeah but where the screw meets the actual SSD I feel like you could just bend that. The screw probably wouldn't bend because it's steel. No. And the frame is pretty thick. The SSD housing would just The SSD housing would absolutely give first. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So I don't know what you would do if that were a hard drive. Well, that would not give. Something would have been. I mean, maybe your hand. If you're only using an SSD, you could just just tuck it somewhere else. You could. I think it looks really cool because you can't really tell from this picture, but it's not touching the ground. It's suspended in air. Mm Mm-hmm. Underneath there. Did we try so. sliding a hard drive in there? Will that end, will that end up resting on the table? No. Okay. No. Okay. So it's also still yeah. a gap. Yeah. All right. I mean, that's cool. Uh, it has the ability to mount uh, water coolers to the top of it or the back of it. You can see there's like these little brackets here that you put one screw into the radiator, one screw into the uh, the aluminum frame of the, of the test bed itself. Yeah. Uh, it supports 120s and 240s. I don't – and I think it supports – 140, but I don't think it does 280. Correct. I think that's the case. Yeah. Uh, we had a little bit of a complication with like the installation on this part where the screws provided weren't long enough to go through the arm, like the oh, little bracket you're, you're and the fan the and, the, and get into the radiator part. Yeah. yeah. And, and the screws that were included, included with the radiator had the wrong thread, the wrong head size to work with the aluminum piece. Oh. Like the aluminum piece isn't countersunk. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it just okay. kind of wouldn't work yeah, countersinking out. countersinking on that would, would solve that problem. Yeah. So in other words, it's possible you might have to make a quick trip to the hardware store. No, I mean, so what we ended up doing was running the fan the other way, right? So it actually now it's blowing air across, like into the system, sure. which is not ideal. Um, you could have it pulling air through, I guess. I mean, it's an open test. fine. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not really that big a deal. Uh, and I think our complication was caused by the bottom of this rad is has part of the res on it, and so it kind of lips out just a tiny bit. Yeah. And that is what that distance is what gave us the the headache. Yeah. Water cooling is kind of the weakest part of this. I mean, again, you can you can make it work by doing stuff like that, or going to the hardware store and just getting longer bolts and figuring it out. But yeah. I mean, it's it. So if you want a water cool, just uh, Excuse you me. know. Be aware that you might need to get some extra you might need hardware. to make it work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I'm trying to see one of the shots where we pan across. Uh, yeah, here you can kind of see. Um, the, the, there is another thing here. You can see the power supply. There's like a little gap right there. The fan is it's actually leading. down in that. Right, so it's drawing supply? air on that power supply. There were a couple comments on the article saying that that's supposed to be the other way around with the fan on the top of the power we supply. It didn't work the We other couldn't way get around. the screw holes to line up. It's yeah. possible that we just jacked that up. I'm not going to say that it's impossible that, that, that's, that that's the case. Um, yeah. You can see here the push pin. Uh, really? Oh, the, yeah. The push pin style. It's like, of a, that. It's, it's like a slotted yeah. cylinder so that. 
and it can actually flex inward. And then if you go here, you can oh. see the, uh, yeah, that's how the SSD is mounted across it. Look at us using that slider. Yeah. You gotta use that more we often. That power supply thing sitting that close to the table, though. Yeah, same, because when you're using the slider, it looks like you're doing jazz hands and, and pounding yeah. some bongos. And then as you go through, as you go through, uh, if you look through their page on it, it's it gives you a pretty good breakdown of... Uh, of what it's all about. And these are all 3D renderings. There's no actual pictures of anything. I will say the big drawback to me is, is price on this still. Yeah. It's expensive. It's it's relatively, I guess you can answer this, Ken. Is it, it's close in proximity to the other open test beds we've looked at? It is. Uh, around sub $200 seems to be at the price range, somewhere between $150 and $200 yeah. for these sort of higher end test beds that aren't made out of just flat steel, flat rolled steel or anything like right. that. Yeah, I I really like it. I like I want to get I want to get more of these to replace our test beds. Again, we're kind of a unique scenario in that what we do all day is build and tear down systems and run benchmarks for three or four days, and then we move on to the next system or yep. whatever it is. So having uh, the convenience of this is really important to us. Um, I just you know, and I'm sure there are some people that just like to see all their components mm -hmm. and see things, and they don't mind a little bit of extra noise of something being not enclosed in a case. Um, so. It's worth checking out. So it's the open bench table. It's interesting because it's open in that you can download the plans for this and mill your own if you have you, access to aluminum and if you had access to like Waterjet, they you could offer do it. the plans. Yeah, yeah. You you get you can get download like the step files. Yeah, you the don't get the hardware. Files. Yeah, you still need the hardware though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you still have to drill and tap all the holes and stuff. Yeah, you sure do. You can but, make it out of wood. Yeah, <laughs> if you had a, if you had a mail like a CNC, you could do yeah. it. The, the, oh, yeah. Kind of the real reason they give the schematics is so that people can customize it and design accessories, which there are a couple of accessories. Right. You see, yeah. They even three D printed accessories, yeah. right? Yeah. Where yeah, I, I, I like the idea of that. All right, Ken, let's get a big enough three D printer to just crank out these. Uh, I thought about open it. I can't. Beds. I don't really think I have a, uh, access to a big enough one anymore. Oh, darn it! We we'll yeah. just get some of that glue you got with the spray and one shit for yourself. Here's I wonder you if you could like. I you wonder how it, expensive it would be to set it to Shapeways and get it printed. You, you just make it so that it's four jigsaw pieces with the little tabs. Just yeah, like so. You could kind of like stamp, you know, slap it together and uh, dovetail guys, together. Yeah, both of you have other things to do. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's the open bench table, aka the Streetcom BC1. That relationship, by the way, Streetcom is essentially just like. Worldwide distribution, yeah, and manufacturing, yeah. thing, and it's one of those projects. Like, if you order it now, they're shipping in May sometime. So it's 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 a small run project. Small runs usually mean higher cost, a little bit more necessary flexibility on your timing. Uh, before we get into the next story, I do have some new new patrons. Ken Center, with an S, not with a C, uh, pledged three dollars. Thank you, Ken. Please make Discord. Just pledged five dollars. <laughs> uh, please consider supporting PC perspective and technical content through just pledged three dollars. <laughs> uh, and OCD eighty eight just pledged three dollars. Thank you guys very much. We appreciate. Isn't all he of a that. bounty hunter from Star Wars? <laughs> OCD. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I, it was I, IG. I, I even miss. It's ODC eighty eight. ODC. I don't know if that's a little Freudian slip or not, but. I don't think well, I. Well, if you OCD. had OCD, you would have pronounced it right. So there you go. Something like that. So again, Patreon.com/slash/PCPer. If anybody else wants to help us get to that 400 mark tonight, uh, let's get into the next review. This is from Mori Gigabyte Z 270X Gaming Eight. 
I don't I don't know if I've ever seen an eight in one of these before. Like an usually even value? numbers, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is this falls under the Gigabytes uh Gigabytes new Aorus brand. Wait a minute. Are those lights between the dim slots? Oh, oh no man. Oh, scroll down just a bit further and just be yeah, prepared for diagram. So now, no, you, yeah. oh, now, now you don't need going. to buy the RGB. There you go. Oh, look at the spider web RGBs on the right. It's nice. It actually looks pretty cool. It does. Yeah, I, I got to admit, I'm a bit impressed by this one. And I assume, you know, that's all customizable. Wow. It's got a Bits Power G-Chill hybrid water block, right? So it's, you don't have to have water cooling on it for the, for the chipset MOSFETs or for the CPU MOSFETs. Multi-zone light show design. With RGB fusion. Six light zones, eight programmable sections, eight different lighting effects, two RGBW light strip pin headers. All right, that's pretty cool. The RGBs between the dim slots, I'm a fan. I don't, it, for no reason that ma- makes sense. Uh, so this is a, it's a Cabby Lake slash Skylake motherboard, depending on what processor you're using. Uh, Z270. Um, your DisplayPort HDMI connections apparently look gold-plated. If you look at the, let me look at the specifications up here again. Oh, he doesn't have it on the first page. Usually he does. Uh, I still like these diagrams. You can see where the Intel Thunderbolt controller is up there. The mega chips in CDP 2800. I don't know what that chip does. Anybody? Mega chips? No. It's no all of the cool stuff. I don't have all of the chips so here, in the planet memorized. Right? Here's, here's Maury's <laughs> pictures that are way more boring without all the LEDs enabled. Jeez. Uh, uh, but probably maybe better for scientific and research capabilities. Uh, there's a total of 11 power phases on this board, um, which seems steep for Z270 platforms. Um, Josh, does it say in here if that, how many is that? Is that 8 plus 3 probably on this? I don't know. All right. They, uh, Gigabyte has integrated some of those advanced retention. PCIe, uh, uh, like uh, supported with the shroud, like a metal shroud around. Yeah, them. yeah, to give them a little bit more shearing strength and stuff like that. That's always good. It's it's interesting that you can see all the lights in between the. Uh, those have got to be like on the surface of the PCB, not integrated just, in any way, right? Yeah, just, just surface mount. Of, yeah, but not like I'm saying is, the memory channels are something you can't screw with layer wise, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. But no, you can set those right on top. Right, and, yeah, ooh, they don't usually Optane branding. It's just interestingly thin. Oh, wait, what? As well. Optane branding? Optane branding, just there above the dims. No, what? Intel, oh, Intel Optane, Optane memory, memory ready. ready. Yeah, just yeah. plug it right into that dim slot. Ah, uh, no. Wait, no? Wow, look at this. this no. The board no, has Sebastian. two, uh, two U.2, eight SATA, two SATA Express, four PCIe by 16. That's pretty interesting. By 16, by eight... By eight by eight, or by four by wait. That's confusing. This piece I saw is gonna be used in a. No, it's by sixteen, eight by eight, eight four four, or eight eight four four. Okay. So there you go. Uh, and here you can see all the LED lights illuminated, uh, a la Mori style, including the. Um, you can see the back plate. the back plate is illuminated. As well, Asus used to do that a long time ago, but they hadn't done it in a while. So is that an LED strip being powered by the board? Is Correct. That what the point is there's okay. two of those, you know, on there. A lot of the boards are doing it now. So, cool. 
Uh, Mori has UEFI features in here, uh, benchmark configurations, does some overclocking as well, of course. This is still considered a preview. as another follow-up coming for the review. This is an expensive board, $399. $399. But, I mean, when you get those LED strips between your dim slots, I don't know what you guys expect, mm. right? I mean, that's got to be... Hey, they're on, they're on some of the uh, Ryzen boards. Are they really? Kick yeah. ass. Uh, strengths include stock performance, overclocking performance, aesthetics. I would agree with that sentiment. Um, dual M.2 ports, SATA Express, U.2 ports, uh, dual gigabit Ethernet, 2x2, 802.11 AC Wi-Fi. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty full collection of features with all the pretty RGB robust. capability. Yeah. Integrated uh, Thunderbolt 3 support as well. Oh, that's a good mix. Uh, weaknesses, of course, with all that good stuff in there, there's got to be a CMOS battery placement issue. Mm. Uh, and it wasn't illuminated. The CMOS battery? You're right. Oh, it man. It was not. Yeah. Should be spotlit so your fat fingers can, so you can find it. adequately <laughs> take know the it. CMOS battery It'll be the only out. thing that's lit when the system is completely powered down. I want like a spring-loaded <laughs> eject button next to it that just yeah. pops it out like straight up in the air. But and that's how I lost my eye. We don't, we don't always get what we want. So, All right, before we get into uh, the AMD story of the week, another new pledge, Bob Schmidt pledged $5. Thank no you, Bob. No Schmidt. <laughs> uh, that's um, why we keep Josh here. Um, Wait, is that why? No. So we buried the lead a little bit here, but let's talk about the Rian RX 580. Um, this is... We posted it a is video. redefining <laughs> the mid-range cards <laughs> I just, with new technology. The all-new. I have seen the all-new RX 580 V BIOS. I have. I have. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, oh man. Oh dear. Um, the. <sighs> I have seen headlines that say that exact stuff, Josh. That's why it's it's actually a little bit disconcerting. Um, <laughs> So the the RX 580 is essentially a higher clocked, slightly, very slightly improved RX 480. Um, the term rebrand is not out of line for this product launch. It's essentially what it is. It's a little bit overclocked. You know, this could have very easily been an RX 485 and an RX 475 and a 465. I don't know if that's any better or worse than going with RX 580 mm -hmm. and 570. Um, but I will say AMD was very upfront about this not being an upgrade for RX 400 series cards. If you have a 480 or a 470, you're not supposed to go to a 580 or 570. Um, if you have, oh, but if you're on the previous generation, if you're on an R9 380 mm -hmm. class or below, they they you know R9 390 is still going to be at this level or pretty close anyway. If you got a GTX 680 like Alan. <laughs> I'm on a 980 now. Oh, okay. you then, you don't want, then you don't want this product. Um, so and hey, my poor 7950 just retired today. It would, <laughs> so 580 would have been a great replacement. You know, the, the interesting thing here is, you know, so AMD is very, very upfront about like, hey, this is not for people who have R400s. Um, it is instead like the R9 or the R9, the RX 480s are going away. The RX 580s are taking their place. They're going to be our continued combatant against the GTX 10 series, 1060 parts. Uh, they're just having to be a little bit higher clocks thanks to slightly refined process techs 
So, uh, and so how well do they combat against the? I mean, it's not any better, really. Like, so I mean, look at the the spec page here. The these are reference specs. And I, by the way, I use Polaris 20 here because that's like internally what AMD called it. And I think that's dumb, but uh, that's what yeah. they did. So the reference rated clock goes from 1266 to 1340. So less than 80 megahertz difference. And all the other stuff is the same, same shader, same. Same shader count, same memory options, same memory bus, same memory speed. The only other spec that changes, oh, and pricing is the same, essentially. Starting at 199 for 4 gigs, 229, 239 for uh, 8 gigs. Eight gigs. Um, the only other spec that changes is the TDP, and it went up, <laughs> not down. Yeah. So uh, the, the rated TDP of the RX 480 was 150 watts. The rated TDP of the RX 580 at reference settings is 185. 35-watt increase, hmm. um, which is interesting because that is a combination of two things. One... You know, they've increased power consumption a little bit to get better clocks. And two, they were lying about the TDP when the RX 480 launched to begin with. It drew more than 150. Yeah, lying is maybe the wrong word to put it, but they were <laughs> and, the, and and they were exaggerating the efficiency of the product. And it also drew a little too much from the slot. <laughs> right. So it never really drew 150. It was drawing too much from the slot, and it only had a six-pin power connector on it. So mm -hmm. they were kind of stuck. All of the RX 580s will have an 8-pin power connector. Okay. I think there's some that even have an 8 and a 6 for whatever damn reason. Well, it's better because than, than overdrawing the slot. It's power. More is better. <laughs> yeah. It, but an 8-pin lets you get up to, in theory, 225 watts okay. and be inside all your spec ratings. Yeah. Right. Um, and this is the card they sent us, the MSI uh, Gaming X card. And my, it's, it's a little bit overclocked. I think it's like 40 or 50 megahertz overclocked over the reference speeds. It is actually drawing over 200 watts in our testing. So it's interesting to think about as I, let's say, go to the, the power consumption testing here. And I show you this slide here. The blue line up top is the 580. The orange line in the middle is the 480. And the gray line at the bottom or in the middle of the thing, but at the bottom of the results is the GTX 1060 overclocked, like the SC model from EVGA. Right. And so what you can see is that the 580 is definitely using, you know, 30 watts more power, 25 to 30 watts more power than the 480, which is also an overclocked model out of the box. Mm -hmm. um, but it's using 80 watts more than the 1060. Yeah. So. So if you care about your power consumption, if you care about power consumption, which in instances would be like if you really care about noise, if you care about the like if you have a, a, a compact system where you care about the thermal issues that may be mm -hmm. uh, arise from that type of stuff, you're going to care about 80 watts. 80 watts is significant. 80 watts is another Intel Core i7 processor, yep. essentially. Um, for those of you that don't care about it, then whatever, you just move on. Uh, but it's looking at this data, and again, we have this data, same, so it's the same thing from Witcher 3. What, it, what this shows me is that AMD basically said, okay, screw it. We're not going to try to compete with NVIDIA on power efficiency mm -hmm. anymore. They were, when, they, when they were stretching to try to get down to that 150 mark, that's what that was. They wanted to stay competitive in that field. When they realized they couldn't, and just said screw and it. And they, they realized they can't. They just said, well, screw it at this point. Let's just go the other way. Yeah. Let's get the last 10% of performance we can get, even if it costs us 35% of our power because at this point, whatever. Yeah. Right. And that's fine. Like I don't, I don't have any issues with that. And it seems to, to be a sound answer based on the current state of how you know. Now th this may sound silly, is. but can somebody buy this card? And if they did care about power consumption, then 
pull stuff back, go the other way. And... Um, I mean, you could, you could go into Wattman and and like turn down the okay. the power so that stuff targets is still and stuff. A thing, you could, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. All that, all that still exists. Okay, um, for sure. Uh, I don't know why you would, but you know. Yeah, I, I don't either. Like, so, but it, what it's, what's interesting to note is like we look at you know we tested six games, two resolutions each through all of our frame rating capture based stuff, and if you look at the bottom of like this page of the Dirt Rally, you're getting three or to three and a half to five and a half, three and a half to four and a half percent improvement on the 580 over the 480, and that's going to cost you 25 to 30 watts. But the 1060 is 13 13 percent faster at 1080p and six six almost seven percent faster at 1440p. And you're going to do that at 80 watts less. Hmm. So it's giving you an idea of how much power AMD has to use to get, you know, and look at Fallout 4, 4.5 to 7.5% performance uh, gains. To catch up to a 1060. It, to, try to, to try to bridge the gap even, yeah. right? Uh, but it still is behind in Fallout 4 by 8 or 6%. Grand Theft Auto is an extreme example. Um, the... Uh, you can see here, I mean, just look at the 1080p graph. This is the green line up top is the 1060, and these two are the 480 and the 580. A huge difference in GTA, the 18 to 19%. It's by far the outlier yeah. and the exception there. And if you look at something like Hitman, um, there are two games, Hitman and Witcher 3, actually, where if you look at these results, the orange line of the 580 is actually ahead. Yeah. Right? So the 580 is... 5% faster than the 480 and the 1060 at 1080p, hmm. right? And so there, there are a couple of cases. So um, I, I don't think it's uh, – if I had to make a blanket statement, I would still say that the 580 is slower than the 1066 gig. Right, but not by a whole lot. But not by a whole lot. Yeah. You know, that exception of GTA being, again, an outlier that I, I wouldn't really put too much weight in yeah. unless you just play GTA 5 all of the time. Well, um, could be. Could be. So, but if you, and if you but if you care at all about power consumption, whether that be for how much power you're buying to power it, or the heat of your system, or anything else like that, coupled with the fact that the 1060 is also a little bit faster, then that makes the 1060 um, the right buy, I think. Uh, and and pricing wise, both this MSI Gaming X uh, and the EVGA card that we tested it against were both supposed to be priced at $249. Mm -hmm. So in terms of price equality, you don't get anything more exact than that. Um, we have so other There's one thing I know you guys yeah. are still trying to figure out how to test. What's that? But th did you notice that uh, Kyle saw nice drops in reprojection when he was testing the VR with this compared to the, the previous generation 480s? Um, I didn't notice it. It, it. it kind of makes sense in that if you're right on the edge of performance with a particular game and particular settings, like. you know, the, 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 that, that extra 5% gain you get yeah. could cross you over enough that you don't have the reprojections as, not, as, as much, yep. right? It's like a black and white thing. Either you're in time or you're not. Right. So. And, and the tough thing with, VR, with measuring VR performance is, you know, if you have slightly slower processor, that could dip you back down if you have... Yep. Uh, you know, a, a different game that has slightly different settings or you have one setting off of what Kyle had off, you can go in and out of these states pretty quickly, yeah. um, which makes VR testing not not necessarily a difficult. Nightmare? Well, yeah, but not because it's hard to do, but more, mostly because it's hard to make a conclusive decision about it because mm -hmm. it's either an A or a B, yes or either no. Either stuff works or it doesn't. Or we don't know yeah. how close it is to either edge. Right. And I mean, you can tweak around with it and mess and play and see if you could find those edges. Um, but but yeah, 
So because yeah, uh, overall it was a hard sell. That was like the one thing I saw in reviews that was like, oh, okay, there's something that's going to be noticeable. Is but I think I can't quite, if you read Kyle's review, he still says the 1060 is a superior card for VR. Absolutely, overall, yeah, yeah. So and so AMD is in a tough spot there. You know that. They're in a tough spot in a lot of reason, in a lot of ways, right? Some people still thought coming into this, this was going to be a Vega part. Um, some people uh, were, we were just hoping for better performance, right? I got asked today, what was the 580 the competitor to the the Titan XP, right? And like, no, definitely not. <laughs> no. Um, but at least we thought that, hey, you know, we we've had a year. Uh, maybe they've done some metal layer changes. Uh, maybe they've addressed some of the power consumption stuff. Maybe they have a slightly more mature process that they can lean upon to give us better results than what we're kind of seeing here. Um, I would say possible. Josh, my honest assessment of this is that because we're talking about the power consumption deltas that we're seeing, and I'm not saying those things happen. Okay. Because obviously they didn't. That's what we were hoping for. Okay. Okay. Yes. I would like there. There's all the we didn't. I don't think we have a story on it necessarily, but there's all the stuff started today about people being able to flash BIOS flash their 470 to a 570 and their 480 to a oh, 580. And then people were like, oh well, be careful when you do that because there might be you know board changes or 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 you know the chips might not be able to handle the different power arrangements mm, i would I don't bet, even think it's a different cooler i would well the coolers are different from card to card but like i would i would bet a lot of money not everything but a lot of money that the the actual changes to process or any kind of um, I do believe there chip is, level stuff would I do believe be there is a change so to the uh, vrm the regulator the pcb yeah on the pcb because you okay. saw the power, the power draw was it was nowhere near an issue on the slot now, like it was on the 480, even after the fix. In other words, it was drawing a very fixed oh, amount oh, now. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Like, like they disconnected completely yeah. the slot draw from the. But they addressed that in firmware. Yeah, but with not, the 480, they they biased it more one way as much as yeah. they could with the with the voltage regulator. Maybe right, but if this one's drawing even more power, like. If it's drawing minimal power through the PCIe slot, right? That's my point. And then overdrawing that's the eight point. pin. By if they were using the same exact, if you took the same exact voltage regulator on a 480 and you tried to get as much power out of it to match this 580, yeah, your slot would have gone up proportionally. Uh, on yeah, the, on the I mean, unless they just figured out some other way to do it to disconnect yeah, it uh, after more time, but. Uh, regardless, I, what I what I'm trying to say is I don't think they did much, if anything, to this yeah, there's GPU. Yeah, not a lot. Like, like probably, they, they mentioned yeah. on that slide, process technology optimizations. I don't see it because that would tell you. Like, if you're going to say we did process optimizations to get more clock speed, you would not also assume that you, in order to get that clock speed, you also have to get use more, more power. power. That yeah. to me is overclocking, not process improvement. Yeah. Right. Well, it's semantics. Not necessarily. Yes. Because. Even if you applied that same amount of power to a 480, you may not get that. Sure, you, your your yields and bins may not still yeah. get that point. And so you're there's right. a possibility, but again, your your envelope is is pretty small yeah. on these chips. And I and I will say I didn't put the results in here because I didn't have time to really spend doing it. That I wanted to report a bunch on it, but I did do some overclocking with my 580, and I couldn't really get any more than three percent overclock out of it. Was that over the already over, over the already overclocked settings? Yes, which was like forty megahertz over the stock. 
looking at percentage wise. Yeah. So that was like a, like a, so it went from 1340 to 1393 was the out of box. And then I could get 3% more over that. So maybe you're talking about 10, four, four or five, oh, 10 total. Mm. Okay. Maybe. I mean, that's decent. Eh, less than that. Cause it's 50 plus. Yeah. I don't know. It's probably like seven, or probably eight or seven. So, but the RX 40 was never a great overclocker in that regard either. So that's the RX 580. I have more testing to do. I have a 570 uh, that we're doing benchmarking on in the competitive cards. And then I think they're going to send me a 550, which is on the last slide here <clears throat> is a brand new chip. It's actually, it is a, it is a new product. It's a sub $80 Ooh. video card meant to replace IGP. If you have mm -hmm. an Intel integrated graphics system, this is the card you use. It doesn't require any external power. You know, it does 4K encode, decode. It's all not that hard type to replace stuff. IGP. <laughs> to be better than, you mean? Yeah. yeah. You know, so I it's guess really not hard. Ti. <laughs> so the hybrid, G, uh, the hybrid crossfire is going away. Because uh, I'm assuming that's not yet. doing hybrid crossfire. Oh, well, this is meant to replace Intel integrated graphics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's still faster than, I don't know. I'm going to I'm, I'm say yes, and I hope so. So we'll say that. Uh, all right, so what's next on our list? The Dan case. The Dan. The or Dan, the Dank. The Dan. Case. The Dan case. Dank. The A4 case. SFX. This, this project was crowdfunded. Maybe I was confusing this. We've with talked the, about this case before, right? I think we have, but like, like Sebastian finally got one in. And we got one in because a reader slash viewer had gotten one through the Kickstarter mm -hmm. and sent it to Sebastian to test before he built his system. That's yet. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and the best part about it is Sebastian kicked it down his stairs to see how hefty <laughs> and, and well-built it was. It only has suffered a couple of dents, so after, don't worry, uh, dude. After Ace Venture, we'll I delivered it. Yeah. So... Um, <clears throat> This was a, I don't think, I don't know if this was a crowdsourced, but it was crowdfunded campaign uh, for this super small mini, uh, mini ITX chassis. I even hesitate to call it that. It does require mini ITX motherboard and SFX or SFXL power supply. Still supports three, two and a half inch drives, you know, um, full size graphics card, although you do have to have a low profile CPU cooler, no more than uh, 48 millimeters high to get that to work. And Noctua's got a few of those. Yeah. Yeah. So here's here's a couple of pictures of the outside of it, and it's it's nice looking. Uh, a lot of perforation in order to get airflow into this beast, uh, but it really doesn't start to get impressive until you until you start putting things in it. Um, it's got those uh, push like those pull release push latch uh, doors on it, which I do like. Um, this is the side you install the motherboard. Mm -hmm. This is the inside you install the video card. It has a ribbon cable that goes under uh, a plate and mounts in the system. So let's get into the build. There we go. So there's your mini ITX motherboard mounted in there with a cryo rig, uh, a low profile cooler. So you can run a bigger cooler if you leave the side of the case off. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so if you don't need the side of the case, <laughs> you can have any height cooler you want. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, but here is like an old 290X XFX graphics card, a 295 millimeter GPU length uh, is permitted. And there's, he says there's plenty of space. I don't know if I'd say plenty of extra space. Um, if you had... Can you fit one of those two and a half slot cooler cards in there? Uh, you know what I mean? Negative like the, Ghost Rider. Uh, let's say no. Not without the cutting the blower in it again. Oh. Uh, I just can't tell if it's sitting flush or not. Here's how you mount the, the SSDs. It's pretty neat. 
Stack oh, those baby that's, piggyback that's style. That's hot. A sandwich. Yeah, it is. Hey, uh, that's stacked ram. The or SFX. Stacked yeah. <laughs> stacked NAND. Mm-hmm. Uh, the power supply, you know, it's 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 a stretch, right? For uh, especially for an SFXL power supply, um, getting all the things. The good thing is they usually come with flat ribbon, flat ribbon cables. So in terms of like, look at this, fully populated. That's really all jammed. That's tight. It's it's really hard to imagine any system getting smaller with off the shelf components. Well, look at all but narrow. It's so much easier to work with than some of the older tiny enclosures. Oh yeah, where you actually had to get your hands in there and like look you end at up that. losing a half a that liter is, of blood. That is seriously narrow. So yeah, this overhead yeah. view, you can see the video card on the bottom, uh, the ribbon cable to the motherboard at the top, the power supply to the top right. Yeah, you really like you don't have any more space. Yeah, there really is no more getting anything in there. Sebastian tested it with a 6600K Z170 EVGA Stinger Mini ITX board and that 290X and. Yeah, and um, you know what he didn't tell you in this? He no. had to route the cables with a rubber mallet. <laughs> oh. Ah. I heard Alan. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, he got it. Plus, look at the stunning ah. photography. So, yeah, no, it does not fit a two-and-a-half slot cooler in any capacity. Uh, but, you know, having that the perforation right there does allow you to use... Um, you know, you don't have to have, you don't have, to have a blower-style cooler yeah. on your GPU, which is nice. Uh, you can help keep things a little bit quieter, uh, but by really, still being able to draw air in. So that's just a really, really small case. It is. Uh, now the problem is you can't buy it. Oh, so uh, that is problematic. I like if when you go to the website, they list like Overclockers UK, one other place, and Kickstarter. This Kickstarter campaign's well over. Uh, Overclockers UK says in stock. January tenth, twenty seventeen. Oh, uh, and the other one I didn't even I didn't look at. So it's it's really hard to find. Um, I don't know if they're planning on another run of these or what. I know they were pretty expensive. I think they were like I'm gonna have to look. I want to say they were like three hundred bucks for it. But again, small run type product. Very nice case, still. Yeah, yeah. The, How well does it skip across the lake? I can have Sebastian find out before he sends it back to the guy. That'd That's how nice. he's gonna get it back to him. The Dan Cases A4 SFX. Pretty neat product. It's And it's cool that this is crowdfunded. I I want to say, it was this one or was it the in case that people were putting the plans in into like forums and asking for feedback and putting the 3D models out. I think it was the in case because it always had like the, the fake Coke can next to it for the size presentation. But I, I do like the idea of kind of somebody in the community saying, hey, all your crap is awful. I can do better. And then actually like doing a thing and making yeah. it better. I do wish it was a little more available than it is, but agreed. Yeah. Um, real quick, we're going to touch on uh, cell phone coverage here. T-Mobile is doing some LTE additions. This bright pink um, representation of the United States of America. Look at that Gulf of Mexico coverage. America. That is. Look at that 20 megahertz coverage throughout the entire You sure Gulf. that's not just an oil spill? <laughs> it could be. You never know. Uh, Ken, this coverage brought to you by BP. Ken, what, what in the hell <laughs> did T-Mobile spend $7.99 billion on exactly? I mean, nothing technically, I guess. Air. Yeah. License to Spectrum. <laughs> it's, a seven, it's an $8 billion licensing fee is what you're telling me. Yeah. What, what, what's the goal out of this? Like better coverage? Yeah, but it, 
we, it's gig, is it gigabit LTE? Does it really matter? Like, is it just is this giving them the flexibility to do more carrier aggregation to get those higher speeds? Why uh, would they spend eight billion dollars on it? Well, because they don't have the best network in America yet. Yet, so T-Mobile, I forget the exact frequency range they currently operate their LTE network on, but it's it's somewhere in like the one point seven gigahertz range, I think. Whereas AT&T and Verizon, who have the two best networks in America, as to as according to most tests and the widest coverage in the middle of nowhere, are operate on the 700 megahertz spectrum. So there's a big difference between 700 megahertz and 1700 megahertz. Yes. Mainly that you're... It goes further. The it goes the, way further for yeah. the same amount of power. Yeah. So... It goes through walls better. It, and it penetrates walls yeah. very mm-hmm. well. And guess what? 600 megahertz does that a little better than 700 megahertz because it's a it's a smaller, yeah. Right? So it's a yeah. longer. It's a longer frequency wavelength. Wavelength. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So essentially, T-Mobile, there was the FCC was having a auction for spectrum in the 600 megahertz range. That's what I do on my weekends. Is yeah, I right? auction off spectrum auctions in my house. <laughs> and T-Mobile won 45 percent of the spectrum they were auctioning off. And their claim is that they won spectrum essentially in every single square inch of the country. Mm, sweet. Because there's a spectrum that was being used for analog TV, wasn't being used for broadband. So it kind of had the rollout and the capability to go everywhere. And they're hoping to take advantage of that. So do, do we know which versions of which cell radios can even? None. Oh. No cell radios can talk at 600 oh, megahertz yep. right now. Oh, Qualcomm and that announced the Ryan throws his phone in the garbage. <laughs> yeah, announced the uh, was the X20 in February. No, that, I think. There's going to be a dongle available for that via Apple. Oh, I <laughs> see. Yeah. Just add on modem. It's yeah. wireless though. You'll plug it into the headphone jack, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is that like a military spectrum too in 600 megahertz? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I know so, that uh, I would tell you, but I don't know. <laughs> Some broadcasters, uh, OTA cable stuff. Mm. Broadcasters actually got a cut of the earnings from this spectrum auction because like they were the ones that the spectrum. Yeah, they were the one that yeah. the spectrum was being taken away from. <laughs> so they actually got a small little cut of things. Eat it! Oh, damn it! Here's your twenty dollars, okay. NBC. <laughs> But if you look at that second map, that is what T-Mobile says they will be able to do with the Spectrum by the end of 2017 in some sort of rollout. Uh, Where's the map of the phones that you can use it with, exactly. with no red on it? We don't have a date for when the X20 modem or any other modem that supports 600 megahertz is supposed to be out. This auction was planned originally in 2014, so you would imagine that there'd be some sort of timing here. Like Everyone knew the timeline of when the Spectrum was going to be auctioned and mm. available to be rolled out, so... And oddly enough, NVIDIA Isera actually developed for this. Really? No. Oh. <laughs> You're such an ass. Yeah. You are. <laughs> Programmable modems. Oh. It's the wave of the future. That would have been, that would have been it nice. It is. Not. Yeah, I, well, I mean, you're talking software-defined <laughs> modems. You can reprogram them on the fly. You can only take a software-defined radio so far when you drop all the way down to 600 megahertz. <laughs> Josh is literally the only person in the can world software, that remembers Isera. Can you software program antenna cable? <laughs> you in a very roundabout way. Oh, really? In t- antenna length, you can uh, or, or you can artificially Just keep turning transistors on and off until you get the appropriate length. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Think about it. You can make an antenna that's segmented that you can light, turn on. Oh, uh, yeah, on okay, and, yeah. yeah. 
I don't think that's how it works. No, that's you not can. how it works. You can, you can do it. <laughs> it's I'm not, they're not doing it now. Like yeah. And even if they were, I can think of a mechanical way. To even do if it. they were, they weren't. They wouldn't be making it long enough to be the you know a fraction of the wavelength of 600 because nobody was going that low before. Mm. Yeah, Ericon in the chat tells me that T-Mobile has rain has 800 and 850 megahertz LTE currently. Yeah. So this definitely still helps. It's it's mostly a new range of spectrum being kind of made available, and T-Mobile bought up 45 percent of it. So that's a pretty strong play. As right. far Where'd as they the get all this money, or they get eight billion dollars. I'm uh, sorry, I miss Rabbit antennas. If somebody's calling me and I pull out a phone and I pull out a two and a half foot antenna, I'm feeling like <laughs> they the know boss. you mean business. <laughs> Whap that out. I miss those, man. I bet you. I bet if you look on Amazon or on eBay, you can find an accessory for that. Where it's just like you glue to the back of your iPhone and you pull it, it out. You pull the thing and out then you yeah. just pretend. You just like put it, it in the headphone jack. Oh. And then my kids <laughs> go ahead and bend it. <laughs> yeah, well, of course. You're holding it wrong. Yeah, so, that's what you do. So we're getting the Nokia brick phone back. So why we're not? We're not in North America. Yeah. They're not bringing it out here? No. It's not going to work on any no. network here, I don't think. Oh, I was so looking forward to that. Of course you were. You could, can import. Oh, well, one. you can still get one. It just won't work. Yeah. <laughs> that's good enough for you me. You can use it for all the other features. I can look at it. Play snake. You can there. use it as a hammer. Uh, there's many fine uses for that phone. All right, let's move on. Intel rumors, guys. Um, so we, we were wondering what Intel's reactions might be to the pretty successful Ryzen launch, right? Uh, not that it was completely problem, uh, problem-free, but that it got a lot of excitement, it got a lot of attention, um, it got a lot of purchases. I don't know how continual that has been. Or ha- yeah, I don't know how continual those purchases have ha- have been uh, in terms of people building systems on it. But the the launch of the R7 and the R5, I keep saying that, but that's not really true. The Ryzen 7 and the Ryzen 5 processors mm-hmm. was pretty successful. What was Intel's reaction going to be? Was it going to be lower prices? Were they going to buy one get one free sale on 7700Ks? Uh, none of that has happened. We haven't seen really any price drops of any consistency. So they're just going to launch more expensive stuff? I, well, so <laughs> yep. here, here's, what I, here's what I've always said. I've always said Intel has two options. They drop prices on their current product family, uh-huh. or they wait for the next product family uh-huh. and subtly reduce prices then after you EOL things, right? And so you got to keep in mind, Intel's a big enough company. They don't really give a shit what we think. Yeah. They care what investors and Wall Street thinks. And if you're suddenly dropping prices because of some competitor that really has had zero impact on your life for the last decade, uh, five years at least, that's going to start to scare people. But if you can tie it in with something else, if you can make it like, hey, we've been able to, as it turns out, we've increased our capacity to X and our efficiency to Y because of that, we can offer better value to our customers right mm-hmm. and you wrap that into a eighth generation processor release then it's a better story and then at the same time they're they're hitting the other side of the of the coin which is people like us who are looking at performance per dollar and and consumer builds and enthusiast builds and and all that type of stuff so it appears there's another story out on digitimes that you could debate the the veracity of the timing is this new news or not but it appears that um, they're bringing in coffee lake and Basin Falls, Intel is the best at code names. Like by far the I best. They just at code ran names. out of code names. Yeah, um, they just throw darts at a map. So Probably. Coffee Lake uh, yeah. sounds like as a long CPU. as it's got a water feature. 
It's good. Coffee Lake sounds like a CPU. It's based and so, falls the chipset. Coffee Lake is another 14 nanometer processor. It's an extension of Cavi Lake. Is it a talk, yeah. talk, talk now? It was TikTok optimized. It was TikTok optimized. Now, what's this one? It's uh, process tech is hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's fourteen plus plus, isn't it? I don't even know. So it was a waltz. Now it's a square dance. Like, what was a waltz? Yeah, because it was. It's a samba. It was by threes. Oh, waltz is a three step thing. I I didn't. I didn't didn't take ballroom dancing. Neither did I. Uh, So Coffee Lake is supposed to be the. Uh, eighth generation. It was originally um, like a Q1 late, 2018. Late, yeah, late 2017, Q1 2018 thing. Um, Intel put out a tweet in February that said it was going to be expected in the second half of 2017. And now the information from Digitimes is saying August. Um, I mean, that's. Which, which, is, which is pretty right early considering we didn't half. get. When, when did we do our 7700K review? Was it October? Later than that, uh, January of 2017, wasn't it? Really? That sounds right. No, it can't be. January 3rd, 2017. Oh, really? Wow. Where's Yeah, because it launched at CES. The processor reviews launched at CES. Now, if you want to look at Notebook, uh, Cabby Lake. It's like October-ish. I think that was in, let's see, November. I posted a Cabby Lake. So I think they were probably out in the 1st of November, maybe late October. Yeah. Um, but I posted uh, a Cabby Lake notebook performance story on November of 2016. So, you know, if Coffee Lake is launching for desktop parts in August, that's pretty quick. That's eight months from release of Cabby Lake to uh, Coffee Lake. Yeah, they're, they're not getting their money's worth out of uh, Cabby Lake. What? How I much, mean, they they what are money, there to change, but they they I, they're getting their money's worth on the notebook side, which is a large market because they'll hit they'll hit back to school again if they release if yeah. yeah the the key is I don't really know from this report whether or not they're talking about desktop or mobile and and in yeah. the re- last two generations it's been mobile first and then desktop later yeah if they do that here then yes they could do that with August but like that's not where the competition is. No. Intel still right. doesn't have any competition in the notebook market, and they won't for a while. Right? Um, Intel or AMD? I'm sorry. Yeah. Intel doesn't have any competition. No, AM. No. Intel. Oh yeah, they have no competition. Okay. Yeah, AMD no, is compared. no competition. AMD has no competing part. There you go. English yes. is hard for me. It, 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 it can't be. No. So it's it really comes down to are they uh, are they doing it to bring in everything and then. Then that's fine. So they can lower the prices on the. Or are they doing stuff? it as a let's let's address the Ryzen issue and bring in Coffee Lake desktop? Because, you know, Cabby Lake. I mean, unless it lets them sell parts more cheaply or with more yeah. cores, or maybe they just turn hyperthreading on on all the parts or something. Or I mean, they could do that too. It would so. Hey, hey Alan, look look up how much a forty seven ninety an i seven forty seven ninety costs right now. Forty seven ninety. You can't buy one. The, well, which you, which you one is that? Can but it's oh, uh, you can't buy one. Why can you buy generation i seven? No, it's it's three hundred and thirty six bucks or so. Four hundred seven okay. on Newegg, yeah, yeah. yeah it's three sixty two, and that's only Intel uh, does not. What is that? Lower prices. Well, oh, yeah, so, so it's a third party seller selling this CPU. Like it's yeah. it's new old stock at this point. Yeah, but the point he's saying but, is like they never drop prices; they just stop selling. Yeah. Yeah, we'll right. a, which is exactly what look, NVIDIA what does. What does 6700K cost? Yeah, what's a 6700? 
Uh, that one you won't be able. The, that one I, I doubt you find like a new one from a reputable vendor. Oh, would be my guess. Uh, three hundred eight bucks. But the point is, if they come out with Coffee Lake and they say, "Oh, now all Core i5s have hyperthreading enabled instead," mm-hmm. and they're twenty to thirty dollars cheaper than mm-hmm. they were last time, right? Then there yeah. you go. Yeah, That's but your then, answer. then how do you have a difference between an i5 and an i7? I don't know. I mean, they don't on the mobile on some of the mobile side. Right. Maybe they Not just really. make that decision across yeah. the board, right? Everything's Honestly, Core i5, Core i Honestly, I think Core that hyper-threading on and off thing is a crock of crap anyway. So I mean, whatever. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a long tradition of raining on each other's parades as well. Yes, correct. Yeah. All of a sudden, Intel... Oh, there's a new Intel part coming out. Maybe I won't go with the Ryzen quite yet. I want to see what's going to happen uh, a few months down the road. It's, it's just one of the things so even that... Even if they don't sell a damn thing... AMD yeah, but it's still the sales. But I mean, if they've already optimized this round. Like, how much more are you going to possibly squeeze out of the thing? But so, I mean, but here's the thing: like, I don't know. Possible. Keep in mind that their their TDPs are relatively low still. Yeah. If you compare it to the actual like power draw of Ryzen, they yeah. still have headroom. If they said, "Okay, fine, you guys are good with drawing 140 watts," f you. Here's a 4.8 gigahertz to 5.2 gigahertz Intel. Coffee that lake draws the same or that something. draws the same amount of power. So right, they could. I, that's what I'm saying. You're saying what else they could, could they do? do? They could and I'm do saying that. they could do a lot now that they have competition to be pushed to that. Yeah. Whereas before they didn't have it. Yeah. Uh, apparently there was a rumor that I didn't see when it happened that the chat pointed me to that the Coffee Lake i7 high end will be six cores. Okay, that would be the that other would thing be, they could do. But they yeah, also. Yeah, but at what cost? Probably the same cost as the current. I7 because they Absolutely. know they have to be price competitive, so they just slide in so a six saying, core part. You're saying four potentially a three hundred and fifty dollar six core six core part. That's what I would expect. But okay. I mean, keeping yeah, I mean, AMD has three hundred fifty dollar eight core parts. True, they're it's less IPC per core, so yeah. Intel could still make up the difference there. Yep. Uh, the other part of the rumor was the base and fall stuff, which is Skylake X, Cabby Lake X, um, which is the you know, HEDT high-performance desktop parts, right? X299 chipset. Um, and that they're expecting that around June, um, which would be Computex. 6, Computex 8, 10, and, E3. and a rumored 12-core part as well on the super high-end stuff. So is there a replacement they, for X99? I they ditch the 6. Right. Is there a replacement for X99? Yes. yes. Correct. Yes. What is it called? X299. Basically. That's what it's going to be called? Yes. It's the yep. chipset. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they skipped one ninety nine. Correct. Because they'd afraid Johnny She would come in. Yeah. Someone's already got that one, Josh. Uh. So the interesting thing about that is, you know, they they may be bringing up um, the six eight and ten or the four six eight ten. Yeah. There's rumors that they're they're going to add a four to that line. Hmm. That they would be adding a four core to that line in order to offer uh, an option that has more. More connectivity. More connectivity, more PCIe, all that stuff, but still bring it down to like a 300 something dollar price point at four cores, right? So if you care about multi-GPU, mm-hmm. if you care about, you know, two PCIe SSDs, you care about these types of things, yeah. you yeah, buy a more X299. expensive platform. Well, yeah. it doesn't have to be. It's, well, ha- it's all based on what they decide. Yeah. Right? They decide what the chipset costs. Yeah. They decide, uh, you know, if they sell a $50 chipset instead of a $90 chipset that's going to go into... Forty to fifty dollars less expensive motherboards, maybe more. But if there isn't a price differentiation on a four core part, and there's not one on the chipset, then why do they have two lines at that point? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Um, 
and then they have a 12 core part. Now you get into, okay, the 10 core part currently sells for $1,700. Probably mm. not going to do that this time. You can't do that this time. <laughs> That's expensive at half the price. Right, exactly. You can't, you can't make that mistake again. Now, I don't think it was a mistake. It was. I don't think it, it was. was. To sell the, the 10 core part for $1,700. I think $1, they sold a surprising amount of those. I, I'm and sure you would weep did. at the number they sold. Uh, yeah. I, it, does, it doesn't mean I agree I with mean, it. I mean, it was like, the most number you can get on a, desk, in a regular desktop part at the time. Their 8 core was right? like that when it first launched at 8 yeah. cores too. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, and it was $1,000 then. Yeah. So, whatever. It's whatever. That's neither here nor there. That's in the past. But... I'm interested now, like maybe this summer and fall is going to be like really effing busy with Intel parts. Maybe. And I would like to see it, you know, and AMD doesn't want to see it. AMD wants to have this perception of, of, of value and performance capability and, and, and high threadedness be their advantage to go through as long as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. So yeah, not to mention nice? about 10% higher margins for AMD for yes. these parts yeah. in the average. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice to not be able to protect the CPU market three years out? Because, I mean, like, we've been able to do that. Yes. Like, oh, hey, we'll get a true. like 10% IPC boost every year for the same price. Well, now we're not going to know if there's going to be... High. Let's go with, like, five. Now we're not going to know okay. if there's going to be three versions on the same node or four versions on the same node going now, forward. Do, do, you, so. do you know the last time that Intel has changed its uh, roadmap this drastically due to AMD? Well... Has it ever happened? Athlon? Yes. Uh, no, yeah. not Athlon. Not Athlon? Really? Nope. Athlon 64? Nope. Your butt. Phenom 2? No. Uh, was that the K6 2 maybe? The K No, just the K6. The original oh. K6? Oh. No. The original K6. Intel drug it in about <laughs> six months because of the K6. I believe they didn't you. even have a chipset for that. They got the old 440FX chipset that well, they was that the one that were able to... Was that the one that went 64-bit, or is that way after that? No, no, that's no, no, that was like after. 1997. Okay. This was, when they was when they pulled the Pentium Pro and put it on the consumer line, wasn't it? Well, the the, it was the Pentium 2. The Pentium 2 got dragged back. Originally, Pentium 2, they were just stocking it up. They were going to release it in fall of that year, and they were going to have a brand new chipset, the 440LX, which would have AGP. And uh, some of the latest, um, you know, oh, ATA thirty three at the time, and uh, yeah, uh, K six came out a month later. The Pentium two came out, but they didn't. The, the chipset and motherboards were not ready yet. Pentium two, they was, were able uh, to get was slot one, right? Yep. Yeah. Yes, slot one. I remember hunting high and low all across all of the internet for the SL two W eight version, <laughs> which was the one that you could easily overclock. You change the front side bus from 66 to 100, and it wouldn't even flinch. It would just run at 450 yep. megahertz instead of 300. It was like just one specific like line of it was known to be able to one do that. One other thing for me to mention on Intel real fast is they announced they were canceling IDF. Yeah. Yes, they did. Uh, which kind of just blew my mind. They've got so much work to do now that they moved up these processors. Uh, they can't have no conference. They got no time for no dang <laughs> conference. It was interesting, right? Um, because... I had always said over the last 12 years, 13 years, or however long I've been going to it, that well, it started I, 20 years ago. Yeah, I didn't go to it that long. But like IDF was always my favorite show because they always had 
the right people to talk to. Like they always had the engineers there. They always had like the highly technical people there to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, they did their architecture breakdowns there. Now I will say in recent years, there has been a little bit less of that because their cadence of releases have slowed, you know, Cabby Lake, they didn't really talk about because what the hell are they going to talk about? There wasn't a whole lot different. Um, but it was still good to go there, meet with the performance teams, meet with the uh, development teams, meet with the platform teams. You met with the storage guys there. Mm-hmm. Um, there were there, there were, were drone micro- people. There were like Microsoft storage guys there that I was talking to, yeah. like showing some showing like their NVMe yeah. driver in a booth, and I was talking like low level NVMe tech with like Microsoft guys, yeah. like and, people working on the code. Right? And, and it was it was for me it was a very valuable show for that, and so I'm a little surprised that they would just like cut it especially and do it late too yeah like it would normally have been in late august no i mean like they just said that they weren't going to do it. like no i know that's if, that's if what you're going to cancel it like well because we knew I'm saying the show would normally have been happen. say well, yes we knew that the yeah, idea Shenzhen of china would be now but it, yeah. that would that's a relatively new show compared to um san fran the the original one i guess if they canceled china you can't use this excuse but to be like totally like not looking into they have IDF in Moscone, right? Mm-hmm. Moscone's undergoing renovation this year, which is why like a bunch of conferences move to San Yeah, Jose. but they, they pretty much said in their press release that like we don't see a vision for this oh, okay. going forward and we're going to change the way we message and discuss and all that type of stuff, right? They didn't yeah. just say we're not having it this year blank. It was we don't think it's valuable to us. Um we're too diverse. We've got the internet of crap and I, I networking. Would, there's a lot of that as part of it that that I won't be sad to see go. Uh, and I will say, like the keynotes you used to go to and get like real information from, and that, and then recently they did, you know, they gave you IoT watches that didn't have any Intel hardware in them that flash lights and time with music or some bullshit. They had drones and they had guys on BMX bikes doing tricks and showing you how their accelerometers computed in the cloud and processors Crap aren't like that, sexy anymore right yeah um and they they kind of stopped using it as a developer focused thing like here's our architecture here's how you program yeah, to our they architecture turned into a big time iot yeah and, and that was yeah. more of a corporate direction shift and idf was meant to follow that yeah but I, i'm sad to see it go and, and i have some interesting thoughts that i may i may jot down at some point as to like what that means? Do I have, do I think it has anything to do with AMD? No, no I do I don't not. Think that's connected, right? Um, do I think it has something to do with the fact that they don't have anything interesting, necessarily super interesting, to show on a yearly cadence? Architecturally, what? yes. I think I think that's a part of it. They don't they they don't have this tentpole flag. So here's what's funny. I'm and, inclined to say, oh, but Optane. However, look at how much press. <laughs> There has been. Oh, you mean the bungle launch of Optane? You mean how many times they've announced it over and over again? Well, yeah, how many times they've announced it over and over again, and there's been leaks too, and like all this other like. Is it out yet? I've lost track. You know, it's been announced twice. Oh, more than twice. It'll be here more than twice. Um, So, and they they basically said we're going to pursue other methods of you know information distribution. We have our website. It's great, don't you think? Things like that. I guess. so we'll see. And like I said, I may I may have some more thoughts on why I did. I don't know. I'm sure it costs them three or four million dollars to host it every year. But whatever, you make billions of dollars a quarter. So it's tough for me to feel sorry for you. They find that in their couch. Indeed. All right. Uh, I didn't even know we had a post on this, Jeremy. The Tinkerboard. 
It's true. I did, I did tinker with this earlier. What is it? So, well, uh, it's a very crowded market lately because <laughs> I was thinking it's like, it's like the Raspberry Pi or Arduino or uh, there are so many out there right now. I, I couldn't even think of Intel's off the top of my head. Galileo? Yeah, it is the Galileo. I think so. Yeah. But uh, so the Asus Tinker board is another one of these. Uh, it's a Debian based OS, which they call strangely Tinker OS. Uh, but it's uh, Rockchip, who we've seen a couple of different places. But so it's a four core uh, ARM Cortex A17. They're running at about 1.8 gigahertz with a Maui T760 at T764, which you've seen in just about everything under the body sun. And it's another shield board where you can program whatever you want it to do. It's got Wi-Fi, it's got a NIC, it's got HDMI out, uh, GPIO ports, uh, or 40 pin GPIO header, 15 pin uh, MIPI DSI or CSI. So essentially, if you're looking at building a little system, <laughs> this is yet another way that you can do it. It's well put together. Like we've we've pretty much got down how to design one of these little single board systems. So, I mean, if you're just thinking about delving in or if you're a big fan of it, and you're looking for something new to do. This thing is uh, supposedly $54.99. Uh, it seems to be selling for about 60 bucks right now, but it's decent. It, it's going to do what you need it to do. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, more or less. Well, we've definitely talked about this before when they hadn't like when they had announced it for North America yet. But the reason oh, this, is, this is the uh, North American announcement. Yeah, the the reason the Raspberry Pi is so successful is kind of catch twenty two. It's so successful because there's a bunch of software support for it. Well, they were first for really breaking out of the little Arduino. Well, I mean, it's a completely separate thing than Arduino. This is a computer as opposed to a microcontroller. Yeah, fair enough. But I mean, it, it does have GPIO available thing. to use for a similar purpose. But the the it, there are a bunch of boards like these are coming out of China that are more powerful than Raspberry Pis, but aren't yes. successful because they don't get the software support because they're not the Raspberry Pi. So it's kind of a weird catch twenty two there, and it'll be interesting to see if Asus can kind of spur that and stay up on kernel development and all of that stuff. Because when you're dealing with trying to run something like Ubuntu on these. ARM well, SOCs, a, they need a lot yeah. of customization and mm. a lot of different, like, sometimes well, proprietary case, drivers. Your own uh, already modified uh, Linux base. Sure, but what if I don't want to run Debian? Well, guess what? Uh, <laughs> get Why wouldn't else. you want to run Debian? <laughs> if, I, if I buy a Pi, I can run a host of other, a host of other yes. Linux distros on it. And this one will do Android. I, it, That's I think cool. it's an Android show on top. That's interesting. But still, that that's enough to attract a lot of people who are already developing for Android. Hmm. Yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting to see if this one takes yeah. off or if it's just the market's hit sort of a saturation point where it's not easy to sell yet another one of these devices and get the following you need 
for it to become very big. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's cool that Asus is doing this, and I think if anyone has a chance of doing this, it's Asus, not Orange Pie or Odroid or <laughs> random companies like this. I think Asus could get behind it. Orange Pie, you say? Will this huh? just be one of their little side things that they dip their toe into and never touch again, or are they actually sure. committed to it? Is the question. And yes, dudes, I'm pretty sure it could run UT two thousand four. Oh man, you need to port it, but I bet you it could. Well, that GPU though. <laughs> Well, come on. <laughs> you might only hit 60 frames. UT99 at the very least. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, before we get to our next story, I got two more patrons here. James Stewart edited their pledge from $3 Jimmy to $5. Well, uh, I was a young man. Your grandma used to call me Pinhead. All right. Anyway. I'm sorry. You you never seen that Campbell's soup commercial with Jimmy Stewart? Yes, I've seen the Campbell's soup commercial. No, I haven't. You might YouTube. be dating yourself, Josh. I am. Da- well, I'm not dating myself, but I am aging Gross. myself. It's the only person that would date him. Cliff, exactly. Cliff Shoemake. I don't know if he forgot the R. I would assume it was Shoemaker, but Cliff Shoemake is a new contributor who pledged five dollars. Thank you. Thank you, Cliff. We appreciate it. That brings us up to, with uh, our last two stories here, I think we're at 398 patrons. Two 398. away. Still two away. <sighs> so close. Just putting it out there. Uh, all right. Our last news story of the evening, Logitech G413, G413 mechanical keyboard, or G413, depending on, I don't know, your enunciation guidelines. Um this is a mechanical gaming keyboard using the Romer G switches, um, which are a Logitech design. They only exist on Logitech keyboards. I don't remember when they first launched. Was it Logitech G910? Because that's the keyboard I use I that has I think it might them. be earlier than that. I think they might have had one before yeah. that. This was the competition to Cherry before Cherries started patents selling to everybody expired. and their patents expired <laughs> and all that type of stuff. Um, it is a... Um, <sighs> Aluminium. Well, yes. The the the, the plate itself is one. aluminum. Oh yeah, sorry. I'm going to London next week. Aluminium. Um, but it, like this, the, the switches themselves. What do they claim? Are twenty five percent faster actuation than standard mechanical keys. Uh, but I like them as a as a really good balance between the sound quality and or sound quality, the sound noise of switches that I hear in this room. Mm-hmm. Not to name any names, but in this room versus uh, the, the the typing feel and quality that we have as well. So I really like the uh, the G910 that I use. This is kind of a a little bit budget more budget friendly, kind of a, a sleeker design, not as gamey of a design. It's not RGB. Uh, it's only single color. But look at those keycaps. So so here's the thing: these keycaps are faceted. Right, one, two, three, Q, W, E, R, A, S, D, but those are the only ones that come that way. Well, let me rephrase that. Out of the box, it has no faceted keycaps. Okay, it comes with replacements for one, two, three, Q, W, E, R, and A, S, D to be faceted. The faceted one is supposed to be a little bit better for gaming because it gives your fingers a place to rest in, like a little, like a little yeah, bucket yeah, yeah. To, to rest in. I think it's more than just one, two, three. Uh, maybe it, it is. Yeah. I mean, I've it's at the, least four. I've got the damn thing sitting here on this desk. I could open it up and see. Do they have the faceted keys in the picture? Um, they they well, may the oh, on, on the, the box. Front. You mean? Uh-huh. No, there are no faceted uh, keys on the picture. Okay. 
but it does come with um, replacement facets, but I, uh, or facet keys, but I'll only pull these out of here. By the way, okay, you were this. right that the G910 was the first. It oh, was the in first. Here. So I, it's got a, you can't really see it on this on this video. It's not worth trying to show you. It's too dark anyway. It's got uh, a brushed aluminum top. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. I guess yeah. like changing, changing guns and FPSs and stuff. Right. Sense. The idea yep. is if you like the way the faceted keys feel, you can make your primary gaming keys like that. Uh, but if you don't have to if you don't want to. Uh, I, I personally like it even for just typing, but apparently some people don't like it for typing, so they, they, they wanted to make that an option. Well, I just wouldn't like it being inconsistent. Uh, like for typing. I would, yeah. yeah, I would agree you know with I mean? that. Like maybe, I wouldn't well, want just maybe. like yeah, a few keys true. on my left hand being faceted and uh, the yeah. rest not. That'd be like kind of weird. Gamers don't type words. Yeah, they don't type words. GG no re. Yeah, exactly. exactly. GG. GG no re. F you. It has USB, it has full power USB pass through. Uh, it is a, if you look at the back of it, is that yeah. what you're looking at? What's with the, like, there's like a little horseshoe there, which it looks like it so, might be a cable let me zoom in here. Like holder. Yeah, so. Uh, but then there's a one that goes all the way down. So this one, the big long one is for your headphone cable. Oh. If you have a headphone cable, you can pass it underneath your keyboard. Okay. Without it being, you know. Yeah, yeah. Out of the way. And then this then is the a uh, Just... mouse, what do they call it? Like the mouse, um. Thing that like holds the cable so it doesn't slide all the way down behind your desk. Yeah, cable bungee. Yeah, like it's a mouse cable bungee. Okay, right, and you just kind of put it around however long you want to get leave how much slack you want for your mouse. Yeah, that's cool. Cable and it'll do that. <laughs> so, yeah. well, you said USB pass through, but how many? What? Just one USB port. Okay, so one USB port on the yep. keyboard, two cables off the back. Yeah. Well, one cable that splits or whatever. So your your headset has to be plugged into your main PC. Not it doesn't like branch off of the keyboard or anything. Uh, you mean like like an analog headset? No, like a like a USB. I mean, you, you can plug, plug your USB headset into it instead of the mouse. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was saying. Like you're going to use the USB for the mouse. I just don't know if there was two. Uh, well, sure. You don't have to use the USB for the mouse, but yeah. I mean, if you're if you're using the USB for the mouse, you probably wouldn't need that mouse bungee thing. Sure. Maybe you would. I don't know. Depends on what you want to set up. Uh, it still has programmable macro keys, um, USB pass. We're talking about aluminum, aluminum aircraft grade aluminum alloy, um, precision key so lighting. Yeah, Does I it know. save the dang micros macros on the keyboard now? Uh, Finally, use LGS software to program custom functions and macro commands on F1. Execute mm. complex commands. I know it does on I'd some of their mics, but not on the keyboard. Memory. Yeah, the mics have. There was or was not. Was not. Uh, it's know. becoming very common nowadays. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. The, the interesting thing about this keyboard is it's 89 bucks. That's pretty good. Yeah, for mechanical switches. Uh, it's just red LED lighting. Correct. Right? Yeah. That's correct. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, no RGB on this because of the low cost. Yeah. It's got room RG switches. I, I really like the keyboards. I Like I said, I've been using the, the uh, G910 on my desk for a long time. Um, I just did it as like an experiment. I replaced one of my a previous keyboard. It's like, oh, I... I like this. I, you know, it compared to this, that has dedicated media function keys. This mm -hmm. has them built into the function keys up top of your hold down the function button and mm -hmm. and do that. Um, but yeah, that was just that just announced and started shipping out now the the G413, G413, 89 bucks. Pretty pretty reasonably priced for a uh, yeah, mechanical mechanical uh, and backlit. keyboard. Yes, mechanical and backlit. All right. So let's get into our hardware software picks of the week, which apparently we're not open on this. So let me go ahead and, and do that. My pick is probably the best hardware pick that's ever existed on uh, this 
show. Is it made? Is it made by Hitachi? Close. The funniest thing about this is that <coughs> a half an hour. A half an hour before you posted that. You gotta wait. I'm not gonna say what it is. You gotta but wait for. You can't tell the story. I'm okay. not. Go ahead. But a half an hour before it, you posted that. It's BC Magazine. I plugged this in to my to my desktop. So now you can. You know what I'm saying? It. But we're talking about two mm. different things now. Oh yeah, we are. You're talking about the other thing on that page. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. You go for Ellen it. Ellen ruined it. I'm so confused. So uh, for some reason, I saw somebody on Twitter post about it was the anniversary of something, anniversary of something to do with the Diamond Rio. And uh, it was a picture of a guy holding a Diamond Rio from back in the day. And I had one of these devices. I remember paying uh, way too much money for it. Apparently, I paid $199. Mm-hmm. For an MP3 player, the world's first, I believe. And that's in 90s money, too. Yes. Yeah. What you, what month was this? What year and month was this issue, Alan? Uh, July 1998. Yeah. So no, the MP3 uh, goes mobile. Diamonds Rio. Uh, PMP 300. The PEMP 300, portable music player. Uh, you could play... It had 32 megabytes of storage. Uh-huh. And you could play you could 66 50. minutes of audio if... You did 64 kilobit per second you encoded could, but, audio. But you could pay 50 bucks extra and get 48 meg total. Right. Through a, uh, a uh, like an add-in mm-hmm. thing. It took AA batteries. Um, <clears throat> I, I read this review. This is from PC Magazine. And some of the, th- some of the stuff in it was great. Uh, you can, they talk about, uh, during our tests, Rio proved impervious to the most rigorous shaking. And played back without interruption. <laughs> because no it had skips. no moving parts. Because, like, the idea of solid state playback of anything was so like. So they were probably actually so like. Foreign. Yeah, they were like. Ah. Actually shaking it. Like. <coughs> no. Wouldn't that have had like a micro drive in it? No. No, no it was, no, it was all solid state. That's why it cost so much. Yeah. 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 It, it, it was, was 32 megs of flash storage. Yep. Uh, and they say the Rio has no moving parts, it doesn't skip the way CD players can. No shit. Um, works only with MP3 files. They talk about the process of like ripping a CD, and it was uh, like took took slightly longer to rip a CD. Took lo- slightly longer to encode the music than it took to listen to it. Yep. And I don't even think it worked right with variable bit rate. That you couldn't do variable bit rate. You yeah. could do sixty four uh, and one twenty eight or one twenty eight. Yep. But when you did one hundred twenty eight kilobit per second audio, you only got thirty three <laughs> minutes of listening time. Yep. Which is like, so you had to pick your favorite six out of the nine tracks of that CD you liked uh, to put on your PEMP 300. Mm-hmm. And um, it was serial. It's funny. They also talked about... Correct. Yeah. yeah. They talked about... Uh, so it's a good thing I didn't have a lot of storage. On our test, most songs were slightly distorted at the 64 kilobit per second encoding rate. Though the that distortion thing? would be notice, uh, would be unnoticeable if you were working out in the gym. They just heard the MP3 artifacts. And they call the uh, 33 minutes at a virtually distortion-free 128 kilobits per second. And that was, back, that was back when your encoder actually mattered. Oh, your, really? Your, if, yes. you got the, if you got the super secret underground, like, Fraunhofer codec. Yeah, free encode, man. That, that was like, the license fee was like $1,000 for or something really? insane, really? right? It was like the broadcast quality oh, of the encoder. Oh, big-ass installer where you picked and chose the encoders that you installed? Uh, yeah, oh. it was like, but it was like, you know, hands down, it was like a, you know, noticeable improvement or whatever. But funny story about this thing, solid state and everything, the uh, XO on my first submarine had one of these. Yeah. With the upgrade. 
Yep. So he had just bought it. Basically means he just plunked down like 250 bucks. Yep. Right. We go out to sea. It's like a couple weeks. We're out to sea. He brings me a bag full of pieces. So he, <laughs> he, he loaded it up and he, uh, you know, went to go run on the elliptical or the treadmill. And on a submarine, it's like at the back of the missile compartment, there's a couple of treadmills like up against the back wall. Yeah. They're pointing forward. So he it falls off the tray and it hits the treadmill. The, the treadmill <laughs> flings it back straight into like basically a solid steel wall, and it just shatters. Right. Yeah. And fortunately, he found all the pieces, and I was able to put it all back together. And it just, was it, it just the, uh, plastic that was, it was broken? Just the, no, the housing. Came, the, the, he gave me buttons. Like it was all. <laughs> it was all out. Like the PCB was just. The PCB. the PCB was still one piece. Yeah, it was clearly. one piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing, nothing actually broke, but like everything that could come apart came apart. Nice. Were, were you assembling it under the threat that you were going out the uh, torpedo tube? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just the the random techie guy on the sub that everybody brought their broken electronics. Minimum to requirements: to sixteen megs of RAM, twenty megabytes of hard disk space, Windows ninety five or ninety eight. Please call Diamond Multimedia Systems Inc., San Jose, California, eight hundred four six eight five eight four six. Yep. Do you, do you sadly want to see something that was within arm's reach? <laughs> sure. This is a couple of years, but not very far away. I can't it's, read that. It's a MP3. Mushkin MP3. Oh, the Mushkin player. one. Gosh, we, Mushkin, can't, we can't show that on the air. Mushkin was a, around then, huh? That's, yeah. Man. Oh, that had a USB port. That That's in, so modern. And it charged it. Oh, my goodness. To load up your, your MP3s. I would bet. No. I bet my my also I I would have found my diamond Rio by now yeah, had, had it existed yeah. to the people in chat who called me out for saying it has serial not USB yes I know and yes I know USB is serial oh had an yeah. RS two thirty two port on so, it. so Ryan scroll up this I had that plugged into my desktop PC today <laughs> a Why? zip two fifty oh, uh, well a zip two fifty USB SCSI version one. this was the USB version Ooh. not the SCSI version. Because all that was out then was this cussy version, I think. $200, <laughs> the same price as my MP3 player. This uh, held 250 yeah. megs of data. Yeah. I was only using a Zip 100 I disk because I, only, I don't have... I only went to Zip 100. I never went above Zip 100. And yeah. I never had a jazz drive the, either. The only reason I have this 250 drive is because my wife had one. Mm. And so now it just like sits in the computer room. But Zip disks were great. They were. Until they're not... Yeah. Well, okay, so I will say, so I went to the basement and I went through it. I found the box of zip disks, right? Of old zip disks. That's so disappointing to hear. But Came continue. back up. I plugged in this drive. The first three disks I put in that drive, it was doing the click of death on. Of and I was like, did the drive break? I thought the 250 model, they had this fixed. And like, sure enough, the, like the fourth disk I put in, it actually worked. And I was like, okay, so we had just three bad zip disks. All right. Fine. That's nuts. Oh, so anyway, that's, that's my pick of the week is go find yourself a old piece of computer. Crap. There's a zip disk. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Is that a 100? It's a 100. All it's right. within reach. It's probably got drivers if, on it. If it doesn't Back have the number drivers. on it, it's a 100. When yes. they came out with the 250, yeah, 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 then correct. they started numbering the yeah, 100. Reverse, reverse going yeah. back in. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, Ars Technica <laughs> had an article last October about using a Diamond Rio PMP 300. Today, can this classic 18 year old MP3 player still cut it? And the, no, no, oh. no. Also, it's parallel. I'm once again wrong. <laughs> Please <laughs> for the love of God. Oh. Please for the love of God. I don't. You know, I looked in that review. It does not mention how you connect it to the PC yeah. at all. This ours article. I was disappointed. Does. I it's it was actually serial. a cool article. Wasn't it serial? 
No, it was parallel. No, it was parallel. Because one of the issues this guy had was finding was, a parallel port. Yeah, getting a parallel <laughs> oh, yeah. USB adapter yeah. that worked. Now they also had a, oh, you need a really version. old school uh, oh, man, sound card. Scuzzy. There you go. Yeah. Of the Rio? Yeah, for the Max. No, not the, not the Rio, the, the Zips. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's that review was of was the Scuzzy version. That was the Scuzzy oh. version, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh who's who's up? Jeremy? Uh, there's a rather decent deal on a family of power supplies on Newegg up for us up in Canada. The Rosewell Glacier series, which is fully modular, but yet well under a hundred bucks. Uh, the five, the six, and the seven hundred dollar or five, six hundred, and seven hundred watt are all at least fifty bucks off. So you know if That's you need nice. a power supply in yeah. the next uh, couple of hours. It's worth taking a look at, and honestly, if you're building a Ryzen system and you need more than 700 watts, you're doing something weird. Uh, I don't disagree with that necessarily. Quad yeah. quad 480s. I think you're well, doing it wrong. I agree. <laughs> I would agree. Uh, Josh, me saving my job one piece of free software at a time. <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> yeah, it is. Test desk. No, you're fired. Uh, you know what? There are a lot of options out there. And this is one that just keeps performing well. So somebody brings you in a portable hard drive and says, you know, I've got two years of data on here from the field. And I've been carrying this in my purse for the past two years along dirt roads and everything. And, and suddenly it's not showing me all the data that I saved to it. Sucks, bro. This this actually has recovered the data. So, okay. certain circumstances, it will work, and it's free, and it's powerful. As Alan will be one to point out, image the drive before you do yes. data recovery. Yes. That's a good idea. <laughs> yes. As Ryan would say, nah, take a chance. <laughs> Yeah, just do it. Not take a that, chance on life. Not only that, it tends to go much faster, especially if you're imaging into just something faster, because the data recovery thing, depending on what you're trying to do with it, might, random. might have to crunch on it a lot. <laughs> like it might have sure. to it might have to scan the entire partition front to back, regardless of whether it thinks there's files there or not, just to make sure it has gotten everything, right? So you know you and there are some times where you know you'll do a scan with one set of settings and a different set of settings might actually help you better. Mm. But you have to redo the scan. So if you're already committed to doing this multiple times, you might as well just image it first and might play with the image instead. That's what she said. Uh, moving on. <coughs> that doesn't make any sense. Alan, oh, that does what do you got? That not make any sense. Uh, I know we talked about these coming out a little while ago, but I did buy them and start playing around with them and got the free games that you get with the Oculus Touch controllers, which are still only 100 bucks. Alan, when did you buy an Oculus? Uh, I had one given to me. Why did you say it like that again? Because uh, this because he's embarrassed. Boy was given to me. Never did you mind. steal the Oculus from the office? No. no. Okay. It's fine. That's in a bag over there from when I stole it. Oh. Okay. No, I had an Oculus. Uh, okay. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. So touch controllers, hundred bucks comes with uh, well at least one notable free game, and that's that robot. Um, Robo Recall. Robo Recall. Um, about this uh yeah i put a link there with uh that there's an article there linked in the show notes that also goes through like there's a list of other free games as well that i i'm not sure if they come with just the touch controller or just the fact that you have an oculus 
or whatnot, but there's... Well, the title of this story is Free Oculus Touch Games You Should Be Playing. So yeah. I would say they both are free and I, require Oculus Touch. But I think there are, might be one or two in there that's just like regular free Oculus games or something. I'm not okay. Sure. Anyway, it looks like a decent number of games that even, you know, if you have an Oculus Rift and you don't have the touch controllers, like, I don't know if they're going to end this promotion at any point in time. I doubt it. I don't know. The $99 price point, you mean? Well, that and or maybe some of the games at some point they might. Oh, well, that know, may be, but I, I, think, I think the price is where it's going to be and where it should have been. So I thought initially... As somebody out, who paid $200 for them. Yeah, they came out for 200 initially and mm -hmm. then they dropped... Well, I mean... So we don't know if that's going to go back. I would assume it's not. Because... Hmm. They're I, not going to raise the price on that stuff again. I don't think they will. I don't think they will. So... All right, that is... It's very strange when you get the hands wrong. Well... Same applies to the uh, the Vive controllers as well. Also you can't true. get the hands wrong on the touch. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. They're, they're keyed left and right. You can't get them mm -hmm. wrong on the Vive. That's all I'm saying, Vive. Yeah. Well, the can't, Oculus, can't no, get they're them wrong. Left and right. Oh, well, yeah. Well, no, you, 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 can't, can, you can't use them incorrectly. Yeah, but you can grab the wrong one and try to use it. Like you can try uh, to sure, pick it up, but you know done. immediately it's the wrong one. Yeah. Whereas mm -hmm. on the Vive, you have no idea. And I very often had to swap controllers once I'm in the game. Yeah, because the hands are. But <laughs> you get in the VR. Yeah, the yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's. Well, they, they don't cross on the Oculus, but they, to play it's it like that. Definitely more, weird. More interesting. The yeah. back of the hand is wrong. All right, everybody, that's going to be the show for this week. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. You can find all of our back episodes, our show notes, links to all the stories and the picks we have this week uh, at pcper.com slash podcast. And again, uh, if you want to support us directly for the show we do or the website and the articles we write, you can go to patreon.com slash pcper and support us there. We were short of our 400-person goal here by two today, so... It's a goal mm. for next week. Mm. Uh, and also, do not forget, we have our meetup in London. So if anybody wants to meet Josh and I at a bar in London, and we'll probably buy you a drink or something, um, maybe I'll make Josh or do something. it. Or something. Um, we'll, we'll be at this fancy spot in this fancy location on Wednesday, April 27th. And if you go to the website and look up the PC Per Meetup in London page, you will see it there, and you will see us there in London which is apparently in another country. It's very I true. need a passport. Is it too late for me to get one? No, I think if you just show up at the airport and you they'll say, I work for Ryan, and they'll be like, oh, he just came through. That's fine. Go ahead. You yeah. may enter. I think that I think would be good. That's good. All right. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Malmontano. Goodbye. If you enjoyed this content, consider supporting in-depth technical content by contributing at patreon.com slash pcper.